I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Joined in the studio by Gareth Bond, as always. And from the Rope Report, we have Craig Clark and Lou Foley. Welcome back to the first... Well, we had a pre-season one, didn't we? But um, this is going to be the first one now. It's every week and we're in some new studios. I need to thank um, Sun FM for... All the help they give us with our studios, but now in Spark FM, which of course is the university radio station, and they have been great for us, um, allowing us to use these facilities. Gareth, feels like creative freedom. It's a, it's a new association with Sports Bite and Spark, which is uh, we're really pleased about. Um, so, yeah, we'll be collaborating on stuff, and uh, it's all going to happen in a bit. But <laughs> this is the start, so. We had to do a podcast to get going, so here we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Stephen Goldsmith, of course, and we are joined today. I, I had a couple of a journalists in mind for the day. Um, a couple have got back in touch and said that they will be on. They've assured me they will be on in a few weeks. Chris Young is going to come on. James Hunter is going to come on. Um, we found a couple of delinquents hanging about outside <laughs> with a bottle of cider. They, they reckon they're right for the rock report or somebody. That's Craig <laughs> Clark and Luke Bowley. Luke, it is Bowley, not Bowley, is it? Bowley? Uh, yeah, that's Bowley. That's right, Steve. Right, yeah. yeah, I assumed. Yeah. I just, it just dawned on me there as I was right, reading it in the introduction that I hadn't asked. So just kind of went with the flow. Um, obviously, Fulham is on the agenda today. Um, we don't have a, another match to talk about, but we do have the pre-season to talk about, so we're going to touch on that first before we um, speak to Phil Meissen later on on the show, who is from the Fulham end. He writes the blogs and from the uh, for the Fulham perspective. Um, get straight into this. Straight into this, um, Craig. We regarding transfers, we we started off very fast. Yeah, the yeah. season hadn't really finished properly when we were getting linked with Cabral and it was it was getting announced that he'd agree to come. It's dried up a bit of late, and let's be honest, they they are you know, it's dried up. We are deficient in key areas. Is this dampened anyone's spirits now regarding going to the first game or we're hoping for more? Or we're or we're happy generally? I would say you've got to be fairly happy with what is it, ten new signings now, mm. but at the same time we're still looking a little bit short in the full-back areas. Although the key areas, aren't the key areas? That's my Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, central midfield as well. I mean, I, I personally quite like Larson, but he's not going to do the job that Ticanio was earmarked for this central midfielder with the keys, so to speak. And the Czech full-back we've signed, personally, I know very little about. But the fact that he did kind of come out of the blue after the whole Peruzzi saga does suggest that at any moment we could pull something out of the bag in the fullback or the central midfield position. So there's still reasons to be optimistic. We are still being linked with quality players, generally speaking, like Qualiarella's name's come mm-hmm. up a couple of times. 
So, with what we've got, we, we've still got a team that looks yeah. capable. Regarding the right-back situation, I mean, is, the, is it just me? I'm probably being hypercritical here, Luke, but I just get the impression, you know, we keep, keep getting told that Defantney has got this list and he's going down one, you know, crossing Peruzzi off the top when you don't get him. And just this, this you know, was this, am I being hypercritical thinking this might have been way down the list? Like just, is that just because, I'll tell you why I'm thinking that. It's because Peruzzi was was regarded the new Zanetti mm. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. and this this Czech player who, who's the best ever Czech right back does anybody know Thomas Repka maybe oh god <laughs> which is insane that that would know. As well, Repka, wasn't <laughs> yeah, yeah if somebody said we've signed the new Thomas Repka that would that would put me off even more I'm I don't not, know I'm if not he really is that, we, we can't we can't we can't judge really because we, do, we don't know a lot about him I think it's just Gareth uh, sorry Luke do you, do you think possibly it's just down to the fact that Peruzzi was you know, label the next best thing that mm. whoever we were going to then go and get was going to be a little bit of a dis- feel like a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I, I would say that's the case. And on on the topic of the idea that he was quite far down the list, it, it wouldn't have surprised me considering how long the Peruzzi saga, which it mm. was a saga, was drawn out. You know, by the time we finally just mm. said no, we're not, we're not, you, look, we're not signing you anymore. You've got these medical yeah. issues. Numbers two to five have all gone off Basically, somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, and. But, uh, you I mean, know. he might have been second choice. I'm just, no, you know, of course, I'm just of course. surmising. And it, it, you know, he did. He does have European experience. He he was. Uh, he played a big part in Trabonzaspor's, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, brief uh, spell in Europe. I, I think he scored in the game against Inter Milan when they beat them. Um, so he he has some pred pedigree, and he's you know he's he's, he's tipped by some, um, and you know, he's he's got off to a good start in terms of social media. He's very popular with a lot of the fans already because of that. <laughs> But they, that worries you know, me because Carlos Quayle had done that last year. <laughs> That's true, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, at least we don't have another McLean on our hands. But uh, uh, it, it, look, it's in terms of this new right back list, okay, it's it's um, it's another it's a, another player who we're going to have to wait and see what he's like because we it. we have nothing to go on. Do it's we, half really? exciting, half scary, Gareth, isn't it? <laughs> so I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's better than just you know. It's. Well, be- I mean, yeah. could, can anybody you know you, you just get this impression that. Had Martin O'Neill or somebody else of that nature been in charge? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody like that. You just get yeah. the feeling that... Let, well, let's say let's stick with Martin O'Neill because he signed Danny Rose last year. You just get the feeling that we would have spent all summer trying to sign Danny Rose. Pretty That's much. the impression Pretty I get. Much. And that, that would have taken over everybody. And then Tottenham, oh no, they're just saying no, they're just playing hardball. Mm. Just play. And then mm. in the end, not end up with him and, you know, have like... We, he probably would have signed Huddleston to be fair because mm. he's a domestic Possibly, player yeah. Yeah. which we're going to talk about him in a minute anyway because we can't really avoid it I just get this impression does anybody else agree that we if Martin O'Neill was here we perhaps would have had Huddleston nobody else or perhaps a, a last minute left back signing well they still had Graham <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thanks for that yeah <laughs> and Catamore would have been well, Catamull would have Bardsley been, would have been yeah. coming back to fitness. Well, he's a, Bardsley would have been Bardsley involved. Bardsley would have been the right back. He's yeah. gone. I mean, he was given a new contract not too long ago. Catamull, relatively. He was, you know, the, he wanted to make him the it's man. A strange so. one because I, I spent a lot of last season praising him and, and sticking up for him. So I, I don't. I'm not really, you know, I'm not really now going to start slagging him off. But the, the bottom line is, Cabral seems like an upgrade on him. So that's but, you know, you've got to be root, if you want to progress in football. Sometimes if, you've got to be ruthless like that anyway. But has the Canio seen enough from? Catamol to think that he's capable of integrating. Well, so he's, he's a student he, of the game, isn't he? I would imagine he knows pretty much all the Premier League. Yeah, no, I, I don't mean that. I mean, what is what has Catamol shown to Di Canio that makes Di Canio think that he cannot be part of his plans, or is it that he just doesn't want 
anything to do with Catamore. Catamore's not the kind of player he's interested in. Can't draw for pitch maybe as well. Yeah, I think it's like, his personality. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe there's people going around, there's people who've got a better attitude than him and De Canio's seen that and said, well, you're not going to fit with you know my the way I want to do it, so you're not involved. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's worth noting his injury record as well is, is pretty... Yeah. I mean, he's never finished a full... He's never managed to make a full season for us and mm-hmm. yeah, the suspensions on top of that and... It's just not someone you can rely on mm-hmm. to even play. The only surprise is that he hasn't gotten a hull yet, am I? That's <laughs> the only thing I'm surprised at. Yeah. But um, we will talk about Hulson specifically because you know I think I think we all expected him to sign. If I'm being honest, once I seen Hull had an offer accepted, I thought that was just what what Sunderland were waiting for. Mm. You know, so we could cut out all the negotiations with Tottenham, let Hull do that, match the price. It hasn't happened for whatever reason. Now. At first, you know, yesterday a lot of people were saying the club decided not to go in. But I'll tell you now, I spoke to the Canio today. Um, I was I was working for Sun FM. I've got to say that, and he he dropped in a little subtle reply along the lines of, "We will have five new five new players playing. It should have been six. And then he carried on his question. Mm. So okay. that to me is an indication that he wanted Huddleston here. Yeah, but. They'll- he he said himself that he, they they understand that if he isn't the va- he isn't value for money mm-hmm. in oh, their I, eyes I get, and I get I get that but what I mean is I think he fancied him didn't he, he did but if the deal's not if like I obviously he'll they'll spend ten million on the right player but they wouldn't spend six million on the wrong player mm-hmm. and I'd rather they did that than just well we want we want and we want and we're going to get him there'll be better value out there than 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 uh, I mean. Does he have to be English or can he be English speaking? I mean, can he drop the English bit in? To be fair, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think any of us were really bothered well, about that. Uh, speaking of injury records, since Luke brought it up with Catamol, Huddleston's is pretty mm-hmm. shocking. He's not mm-hmm. played more than twenty games in the last three seasons, mm-hmm. and you and you wonder what our our fitness tests are like because of obviously different at each club. And you, you would imagine it was a pretty you know pretty tough. Well, look thought. at the one Peruzzi supposedly failed, yeah. and he's now signed for yeah. Catania, or he's mm-hmm. on the verge of. Mm-hmm. So somebody's willing to take a punt on him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, whatever checks we're doing now are picking up things where they don't want to take that kind of gamble, which, given the squad size isn't huge, I can mm-hmm. sort of understand it, really. I mentioned on the on the last podcast of last season when we were talking about then, Gareth, about potential players, and I mentioned Huddleston then. Yeah. Huddleston, for me, would have always been a perfect sign-in for the way Steve Bruce played, for the way Martin O'Neill played particularly Martin O'Neill sitting deep he, he's got a great range of passing which we've missed but he sits very deep yeah. now the way the Canio Cabral is going to do that you assume here so you know and I did bring this up to you didn't I I don't want people to think now it's the whole case of like let's go and get Hulson we didn't get him so now oh, we, we didn't want him anyway yeah. you know that that's something that people like to do but <laughs> I did you know raise issues that he just didn't seem he didn't seem to be the Canio kind of player where he doesn't want his centre midfielders to sit deep or two of them to sit deep mm. anyway and wants to play a high pressing game the the range of passing thing would have been ideal but apart from that there was something not quite right about it mm. I, I would like to see Huddleston here just on the t- I, I do, do rate him but those like you say those overall concerns you know like we've discussed are uh, something that's kind of their alarm bells mm. so it's interesting yeah. that he was keen but I put this out on Twitter yesterday and I got mixed responses um, Jordan Henderson Mm-hmm. Coming back and playing in that role, but I, I know some. I'm getting looks. I'm just saying. Personally, I think it'd be perfect. But I, I like he, him he as plays, a player. He I plays really high like up the him. pitch, and when people say, 
or he hasn't you know he isn't creative or whatever what people don't right. realize is if, if you if you put a through ball with and it only takes you one touch to do it or two touches to do it that is being creative well, you don't always need to get the ball and dig out this great long range pass and then that's it's harsh to say he's not a creative player as well because when he was at Sunderland in his in his final season he was actually one of the best creators of chances in the league mm-hmm. I think at one point around Christmas time he was the second highest chance creator and so he's got that creative element in his game and he can be used in that way mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if how you know how much will we be able to get him mm. for is that's, he really well, that's, the right that's the, that's the issue but, but if you're talking about fitting in our system a high pressing game somebody mm. minimal touches yeah. Decanio doesn't like people to take touches he, he you know he'd be perfect oh, for well, and, from it, a and he's gone and spent two yeah. seasons at Liverpool that made him into a better player anyway absolutely yeah. that would be great I, for just, I yeah. think I think you could bring him because I said like what I said was could he be our Gerard? and I didn't mean in, in playing no, I style I mean mm-hmm. local lad coming back you know, make him the ca- the captain of Sunderland. Sunderland lad, captain of Sunderland under the Canio. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just saying, think yeah. he could flourish under the. I really do. Given that responsibility, I just think he'd he'd love it. He, he doesn't seem to shirk a challenge. He's captained the under twenty ones. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, he's going to do a Miller, isn't he? He's going to be playing for the under twenty ones when he's about thirty, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, I, mean, I can understand why. You know, he, he definitely left Sunderland when he was nowhere near the finished art, and I don't think he is now, but. You know, he could, he could, he's the kind of player who could come to Sunderland, and be the mainstay at, at Sunderland for, for the best part of his career, and he could be the, he could be the big, the big man if, at Sunderland mm. if he wanted to be. I think he's got the ability to do it, but you know, it's, I think he would cost a, a, a relative lot of money, but well, that's if he's thing. worth it, though, just let Carolyn down and go. A lad from Burr and a lad from Newcastle go for cheap. Yeah, so might as well make it that really. Yeah, it's true. Seventeen yeah. million. Yeah. They do seem to be well com- in comparison to what they paid from. Mm, yeah. yeah, but uh, Craig, you like obscure um, players from from abroad, don't you? I, um. <laughs> I know you've mentioned South Americans a lot in, in Italian football, you know, all that, don't you? Any any obscure no. centre midfielders you 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 have in mind that you can in you know, educate us all well, or not? Uh, not someone I've even seen play, but I know mm. loads of people talk about, but he's gone to Spurs now, was Kapui. Right. Because yeah. he was linked with Cardiff and he looked like that type of player that Huddleston is. He could transition play quickly. Mm-hmm. That's transition's a word, isn't it? Because yeah. as much as Henderson is a great player in, in many respects, whether he's good at that, moving the ball from mm. back to front quickly... So I, I think that's one of his strong points, getting it from the... When when he was in the middle and we mm, yeah. not necessarily worked out from the back, but the ball was gone fast. He gets it, he turns, he mm. passes it, and he done it straight away. It was one of the things Capello said when he picked him. I think I've said this about four times on podcasts now. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm the sole um, member of a Jordan Henderson fan. No, I, I think we all like him. I, yeah. I always liked him. I, mean, I remember that towards the end of his spell, there was a lot of Jordan Henderson doubters, a lot of... Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe his performance weren't on their best, but I think... I do think he's matured at Liverpool, even though he initially got quite a lot of criticism. Mm-hmm. I think last season he had a, a relatively decent season, and well. but so, yeah. second half of the season certainly. Yeah, especially. Um, and I, I certainly think he's a, he's a good player, and I think he's an option there. Uh, but again, it, it's more about the fee. I think that's the issue. Mm-hmm. If we, if we, the whole point of our system is that we find value for money, and we don't overspend. Um, so I guess I guess a lot of that would depend on the fee and of course if Liverpool wanted to get rid of them. Yeah. Well quickly before we move on to the Fulham game specifically, does any what does anybody make anything of pre season regarding, you know, playing against Tottenham how big a win was and and, and how many games we played because we didn't play a lot of games. Anybody got any thoughts on that? Because I was quite concerned. I was surprised at about games. how many games were played. 
Um, what about the Tottenham win, um, Craig? Do you think that was significant, or is it just a friendly? As much as it, it was great, and mm. there were sort of elements and signs from it of what we're going to do philosophically in terms of the way we're going to set up, where we're going to play, which was really encouraging. In some ways, more encouraging than any of the signings is the fact that we actually have an identity now, or mm. we're working towards one. How long is it since we had one? I mean, maybe Reed. At least you knew what kind of football we were playing. Mm-hmm. Keen to an extent. Keen, okay, I would say, yeah. I think it was just big because it kind of helped everybody believe in uh, you know, what well, Daniel yeah, was trying well. to do. And if, if we went there and got turned over by Tottenham, you know, you don't think the players are, are going to go back to hotels or whatever and think, you mm. know, we're doing all this all this work. Right. We're getting nowhere fast, you know, swimming against the tide here. But, but the sort of the pitch maybe mm-hmm. took the edge off it on, in both of those games. Yeah. How much can you read into something yeah. being played yeah. in an absolute quagmire? It, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. There's a lot. Pre, it's hard to judge in the pre-season friendlies. I mean, uh, Gareth and I were talking earlier about when Mick McCarthy was even with Whippet. It was a Gareth or Pete. You said with the EZ. It was an yeah. yeah. Look what happened that season. Look what happened that season. Anyway, I asked. <laughs> I spoke to the Canny Order dear. And I asked him about the fact that we didn't appear to play many games in friendlies and this was what happened. Um, a few eyebrows were raised regarding the amount of games you had, but I'm, I'm sure there was a reason for that and that was planned. Yes, in my opinion, when you make a revolution, is uh, this is my personal opinion, is uh, is uh, silly to play 10 games rather than practice, practice, practice with the 10 new players to link with the other players that were under me, uh, we can discuss, should be six rather than five. But uh, what it means, uh, travel and uh, play and play, watch ki- in which kind of games, if someone argue with my uh, philosophy, we are going to improve against Hartlepool, with all respect for Hartlepool, we can have one, two games, and then three at the top level, Tottenham, City, Danish team that is in top of the league for win out of four games, so that is, can be enough in my opinion. Uh, ten games and not train is stupid. Uh, different uh, way to see football, but after revolution, uh, I thought that uh, was better for us to spend time together on the field to build up the the fitness level. But more important to practice tactical technical session. So that was De Canio's thoughts on yesterday. Uh, on yesterday, what am I talking about? <laughs> on the um, on the playing, you know, three games. Interestingly, he mentioned Hartlepool because uh, Martin O'Neill couldn't beat Hartlepool. He said no, no, no disrespect <laughs> to Hartlepool. The mighty but, Steve. Howard you know, like I've always said, you know, it's it's something that did concern me. But I did always say that you know I'm sure there was a a well thought out reason behind it because he plans everything meticulously. So I very much doubt he's just said oh, I can't be bothered around another friendly or anything like that. Um, we spoke to Phil Mason earlier regarding the Fulham game. Um, Phil is, he writes the ESPN blogs for Fulham. He first came to my attention when he done a piece on Salou Sunderland, the Who Are You section, which I'm sure you're all aware of, where he wrote a very articulate piece answering Colin's questions basically on Salou. So I tracked him down and the four of us got a chance to speak to him earlier and asked him about tomorrow. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to get Phil on in just a second, but first of all, I want to know what you lads thought regarding the fixture Fulham tomorrow. Um, and what, what I mean by that is when we waited for the fixtures to come in, 
I don't know about you lot, but I was over the moon with somebody like Fulham, and I, I, I say that with the greatest of respect, but I mean, when you have a revolution like, you know, we're going through at the moment, Gareth, you kind of want somebody winnable at home, you know, so the players can implement what the manager wants them to do, because, let's be honest, it would have been a bit of a nightmare playing, you know, Chelsea or somebody like that, wouldn't it? Um, I guess to, to an extent, but we have got a terrible record against Fulham at home, I think, in recent, and I think the last, we haven't beaten Fulham at home in the last six well, the last few games, maybe three or four games, I don't really? think we've beaten Fulham at home. So we haven't got the best record. Um, and they beat us 3-0 and they were 2-0 last season. So, um, so well, yeah, Jim, I don't mean I don't mean Fulham specifically, though. I mean a certain kind a certain kind of side, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> mid-tier, mid-tier, anywhere mid-table, outside yeah. of the top six, yeah. shall we say. Yeah, that's fair enough, I think, yeah. yeah. I think they would feel the same as well. Were you hoping, Craig, when, when you, you know, fixture list day comes, what were you thinking? Who were you saying, thinking, give me who? Absolutely, a club like Fulham. Nothing against them personally, but a London club at home, you always fancy yourself. Um, Fulham notoriously didn't used to travel well, but yeah, apparently. Until Gav's just raised that point yeah, there, which I don't think none of yeah, us were aware of. Yeah. I wasn't, but oddly enough, apparently their away record last season was quite decent. But they did have at the end of last season a pretty bad run of, was it five defeats in a row mm. before they beat Swansea 3 0 on the final day? I mean, they're, they're going to be a new side as well, but I, I think the, the point I was getting at, Luke, was just, you know, somebody at home where, you know, a, a good Premier League team, but somebody outside the top six, you can, where you can, you feel that the players could really, you know, really put this Decanio thing into action. No, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, the idea if we'd gotten someone like, say, I don't know, away at Man City or away at Chelsea, away mm-hmm. at Man United, you don't want to go in with an entire new squad looking for confidence mm-hmm. to a game where we'll probably get beat you know, reasonably comfortably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think we've all said that we don't mean any disrespect to Fulham, but as long as we have that mid uh, home, t- sorry, a home uh, game against a mid-table side it's the kind of game you look at and you think yeah we should be looking at three points from that mm-hmm. game and it's an opportunity not a guarantee but an opportunity to get off to a very good start mm-hmm. and it would be and it's a, more or less an ideal game mm-hmm. Phil I'll bring you in here um, we're having this conversation with the greatest of respect of course because I've got no doubt that you as a Fulham fan when you're the same thing happens, you know, fixture, you know, the day when the fixtures come out, you're probably hoping for somebody like Sunderland to play, right? You know, to be honest, guys, you've got to play every other team in the league at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, I don't particularly have strong feelings about who we meet on day one. You can look at both sides of the coin here. A year ago, we started with real verve. Uh, in the sunshine at Craven Cottage and we hammered Norwich City Mm 5-0. Norwich ended the season above us in mid-table and that was our high point of the whole season, day one. Yeah. Uh, One of the major reasons for that, that was the last appearance we saw of Moussa Dembele in the white shirt Mm -hmm. because four days later he triggered his uh, get-out clause and was off to Tottenham and we never signed a replacement and we began... (laughs) A nine-month season of decline from that moment on. Mm-hmm. Huge player, of course, Dembele. Uh, Craig's just pointed out there that there's this impression, general impression people have, that Fulham aren't very good on the road, yet Gareth's just said that you've got a, a half-decent record up here. So can you fill us in on that? What was your way record like last season? Uh, it wasn't fantastic, but it was a marked improvement on previous seasons where we have been notoriously feeble. Yeah. We won four away games. Um, notably, we won at Tottenham. Uh, which was a big one for us. We won at West Brom. 
Uh, we won at Swansea on the last day, which rather flattered our final finishing position yeah. because I think you've already hinted that we had a dreadful run in in the spring where we lost six out of seven. Um, and we really did look awful. If the season had gone on for another month, we could have been relegated. Uh, if you take those four wins and a few draws on the road, we kind of stand comparison with much better sides than us, like Everton. So I wouldn't say we were pushovers on the road. I wouldn't say we were incredibly entertaining, dynamic, and to be feared either, because we do play quite a cautious style of play away from Craven Cottage. And I suspect that is what you'll get more of the same on Saturday. Yeah. Um, it may be canny, it may be close. You've, I think, already mentioned, guys, that in recent years up there, we haven't done too badly. We, we've rung the odd point or three out of you guys. Um, and so it's opening day and anything can happen. Yeah, you're pretty sure, though, that they're going to come up with a, a no-lose attitude mentality first, don't get beat the first game of the season, rather than come here and try and turn us over then. I think you, you, you kind of expect that, don't you? You set your stall out from day one uh, it's, it's for nobody a disaster if you get walloped I mean you know every team in the league even Crystal Palace and Hull um, you, you can't judge a season on the first 90 minutes and Fulham you know they can be pretty organised at the back and pretty unadventurous but you know they know what it takes to get a draw uh, you know I think most of the questions really on what happened Saturday have got to stem from your side because have you got a team of nine strangers coming together for the first time six, on the park? Six, are they going to gel? Possibly, yeah. I have no idea. I well, guess you guys are wondering the same. Yeah, well, it's an interesting point, Gareth, because like Phil has just said there, um, I mean, you have discussed this before in detail, getting, you know, getting beat the first game of the season essentially doesn't define your season. However, because of the way things are this season, the revolution, etc., etc., does it feel like it's quite important this year not to uh, go roll over, get beat more than normal? Yeah, I think it's 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 a it's different kind of importance. Um, like like Phil touched on there, um, you know that they are all rel- relatively a lot of new players in the team, um, and it's difficult for for fans to take a step back sometimes and not make instant judgments based on the first thing that's presented to them. So, I think a lot of people will either get carried away by the start if we win or go the other way if mm-hmm. we lose um, or, or don't perform I think a performance is the most important thing but with the, the run of home games I mean I'm, I'm, I actually agree with Phil Regan um, you do have to play everyone twice so I don't really worry too much about the order of fixtures coming but um, you know we, we have got a relatively tough run of home games coming up after Fulham um, and it would be nice to to, to get off to off to a winning start so I hope um, you weren't implying the Sunderland fans get carried away too easily <laughs> never never at all um, Phil could you fill us in a, a little bit on your new signings because at this season Sunderland uh, you know we, we've Paul Ducadio keeps calling it a revolution we've signed a lot of new players and a lot of them you know none of us have heard of so we've spent a lot of time just researching them and it's been quite fun doing that but speaking from my personal perspective I haven't really been able to keep an eye on what sides such as Fulham are actually doing in the transfer market. I know you signed Tarat, which is a very interesting sign, and he could. Is, is the idea that he would take over where Clint Dempsey left off? Do you think? No, they're two completely different players. Um, yeah. Dempsey was very much a one-off in the Premier League, and as a consequence, 
managers were never quite sure how to get the best out of him. He was continually having to prove himself to new managers, and even at Tottenham last season, he was never guaranteed a start. Um, he was fantastic for us in his last two seasons, top scorer, first American to hit 50 goals in the Premier League, all for us. Um, and that's a record possibly not going to be There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pass for quite some time, unless Altidore really stays around for a few seasons. He's got the potential. Uh, Tarabd is a total enigma. Um, he can be brilliant and he can be ridiculous, all in the same game. Uh, I don't know if there's a story you're aware of, but when we played QPR the season before last at the cottage and we hammered Rangers 6 0, uh, Tarab was substituted. At half time, he got changed, walked down the end of the road, and caught the bus home. <laughs> he didn't even hang around to support the side or sit on the bench, for which, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. Mr. Warnock, who was then in charge, um, you know, read the right act to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tarabt has come in, luckily, on loan, so it's a kind of no-risk operation. It's like taking a car out of a showroom. It looks sleek and shiny, and if it turns out to be a turkey, you take it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but fitting Tarabt into the side as it currently stands, he's not guaranteed to start either. I don't think it's a signing that's going to define or change our season. The one signing which we'll come on to talk about in a minute, I'm sure, in greater depth, is the one we think that's going through at the moment. But Tarab's been added as another body, doesn't want to play another season back in the championship with QPR. He's a loose cannon. My personal opinion is that Adele thinks he's much better than he really is. Mm -hmm. Ever since he arrived from France, he feels he's destined for great things at Real Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, He antagonises managers, upsets teammates. We'll see what transpires. I'm getting the feeling they're going to warm to um, trap much, um, <laughs> Phil. I wonder if he got a fish lot on his way home when he jumped on the bus. Yeah. Well, what, I, I, I mean, well, what, what I meant by, you know, I know they're not the same, exactly the same kind of player. What I meant by is, when you know, when Dempsey played, he kind of just floated behind the centre mm. forward. When he's went to Tottenham, they haven't, they haven't had room for him to do that. That's possibly why things haven't worked out greatly for him at Tottenham. And to Rats, well... Uh, Phil's just said he's an enigma which he certainly it's, is Gareth and it, it's going to be an interesting one isn't it could go either way I think what you talked about Warnock there and um, it, obviously that the relationship did seem to break down but I think Neil Warnock talks about it in his book I haven't read it I just spoke to somebody about this um, and apparently Warnock said about Tarap that he was on the most talented player that he'd ever worked with when he got him he couldn't he couldn't be- when he started managing him he couldn't believe how good he was 
Um, and as a result, he, he, he like you said, like we, we've touched on, his temperament isn't great. He's going to drift in and out of games. You're going to have to carry him sometimes. But he spoke to his senior players and said, "This this this guy is so good. I want to build a team around him." Made him the captain and said, "If he is having one of these off days, we're going to have to carry him. We're just going to have to put up with it because he's so good. He he could be the key to their success." And obviously, got they got promoted. But when when they got into the Premier League, um, it, it didn't really work out from a QBR. But you can't imagine. So like like you said, you, you can't imagine that uh, Tarabda will be afforded that luxury of having a team built around him at Fulham. Um, there's far more more reliable senior players at that at that football club than a QBR, and in different situations. But I just thought that was quite an interesting. I don't know if you'd heard that, Phil. Yes, I did. Well, you've only got to look at Harry. I mean, there's a manager that's been round the block and back and got the T-shirt. Uh, when it came to a relegation scrap midwinter at Loftus Road, Tarabda wasn't being picked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Craig, what would what what would have your thoughts been if if he'd ended up on Wayside this year? Where would you fit him in? Well, same, that's that's the thing, isn't it? The yeah. same goes at Fulham. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got Brian Ruiz there. Surely he's going to be looking for a similar sort of place on the side as him. Mm-hmm. If you if Fulham do sign Darren Bent, which is reportedly in the pipeline, if you've got Berbatov, Bent, Ruiz, and Tarapt. Surely you can't play. Well, it's as Gareth says, it's it's can you afford to give him a free roll? Because you would need you would need some pretty good centre midfielders behind him in order to do that. Especially with Dembele gone, with the greatest of respects, um, Phil. I don't. You haven't quite got that at the moment, have you? Or tell or have you? Tell us tell us about your side and tell us if you've got what you've got. Well, I think you've alluded to the problem there, guys. You don't have to be. Um, you know, in, uh, you don't have to have all the FA coaching badges to know that when Fulham, if they are parading Brian Ruiz, no great work ethic, easily muffled off the ball, plays too deep in my opinion. If Dimitar Berbatov, a law unto himself, will run when he feels like it. If Adel Tarabd, a complete maverick. If those three players are at any stage in the season on the park together at the same time, and the flow of the game is going against Fulham, and we need to dig in, when we haven't got the ball, the opposition are basically facing eight players, because there are three guys there who won't tackle and track back. If you sign Ben, it'll be four. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen something uh, along those lines today on the internet, as you can imagine. We've been monitoring that very closely. So you're telling me that £24 million Darren Bent is a lazy player? What I would, Darren Bent plays for Darren Bent. Yeah, what, I, what I would say about there's a reason why. If it's an interesting statistic at Sunderland, when we had Darren Bent, we scored about the same amount of goals in the season as we scored without Darren Bent. And there's a reason for that is when you've got Darren Bent in your team, in my opinion, you can only play for Darren Bent. So that your key, the key tactic is to get Bent in behind so he can score. So if you give him the chances, he'll score. But it's, it's, he's not going to add goals to your team. He's just going to take goals away from other players, um, in my opinion, anyway. Um, and that's why he scores all the goals at every club he's at. I think you'd, if you if you looked at that, if you looked at the stat- statistics that goals scored with Darren, with Darren with Darren Bent in your team and without him, they'd probably be similar. Um, if you remove Darren Bent from a team that's based solely around providing Darren Bent, then you're in serious trouble if you haven't got somebody to replace Darren Bent on your side, and that's where problems occur. So it's interesting. I think it'd be interesting to see how Bent and Bent and Berbatov would work together. But um, I mean, 
Berbatov might be a nice little foil for Ben because he does like to drop deep and he's he's very clever um, getting balls in behind and stuff. So if if he can get those two further up the pitch and on the ball in in space, then they could be fills devastating. Me, it fills me with my idea, suggesting that Fulham won't have. Uh, a huge work rate off the ball that's going to be fascinating to watch on Saturday <laughs> now. I'm just going to watch these players he's mentioned now to yeah. see what they're doing if, especially if De Canio's going to play a high intensity, a high pressing intense yeah. game that could work in our favour but Phil tell us some of these players you've signed the, the, the one you said that uh, you, you were going to talk about somebody who you're really impressed with um, we've made uh, four signings in total on what has been you know that sounds like um reasonable activity certainly compared to the likes of your dear neighbours and friends up there in Newcastle United <laughs> yeah. um, but a lot of the business that was concluded early in the close season was a kind of hangover from last year's campaign uh, Stecklenburg from Roma was meant to arrive in January it was on the plane to England for heaven's sake and Roma couldn't sign a replacement in time, so that was um, stymied at the last minute. So we've got the Dutch national keeper in for £3 million. Pounds. That's a kind of straight swap, uh, like for like, with Mark Schwarzer, who, even at 40 last year, was still tremendous for us. Great athlete, super fit, unflappable, great keeper, wonderful service. We picked him up on a free, remember, from Middlesbrough, and what a great piece of business that was in 2008. Um, Stecklenburg will be fine in uh, in between the sticks. In front of him, we've got, well, he's a big beast from Bilbao. That's all we know about him at the moment, Fernando Amorabieta. But he's played 250-plus games in La Liga. He's a Venezuelan international. He's a big, solid boy at centre-back. He can, I believe, double at left-back if necessary. And he'll, you know, alongside our skipper, Breda Hangeland, who I'm sure you remember well, Mm-hmm. That's a pretty formidable barrier in front of a decent keeper who, remember, kept gold in the last World Cup final. So we like the sound of um, Amorabieta, although we haven't seen him yet. We like the sound of the keeper, obviously. Um, in front of them in midfield, we've got Derek Boateng, who is a big unit, muscular, Ghanaian international. Been around Europe a number of clubs. Um, and as you may know, had a contractual dispute in uh, the Ukraine with Dnepro. Uh, that's where Fulham first met him in the Europa League. He obviously made an impression. And for a year, he's been in dispute with the club, a bit like Bent in some ways, so he hasn't had too much football. But I did see him last Saturday in the friendly with Palmer, and uh, he looks useful. So quite happy with that. Uh, and Sasha Rita, who at fullback we picked up from Cologne, really on a song, um, and he uh, turned his season-long loan. We had an option, and he was snapped up in the summer for £1.2 million. That's a snip. And he was outstanding last season, our player of the year. Scored against us. And he scored against he you, did. in fact. Well done, which was his only goal <laughs> of last a, season. A good run as well. I think he ran about 70 yards to get on he the He did. Cross. He's very energetic up and down the park on that side of the pitch, and he does link well with the uh, Jagger, who's an Iranian international, because the two of them both played together at Wolfsburg, and they played together in a Bundesliga winning side as well. So there's certainly chemistry between those two down the right. We've got slightly more problems down the left. Where I don't think it's a secret we're looking to replace Risa, uh, who's been a disappointment, to be honest, since coming back to the UK from Roma. Yeah, I've, I've been pretty critical of him, I'll be honest, for, for a couple of seasons. 
and uh, I think Yol's now ready to show him the door. So we're looking for left back. Um, we haven't replaced uh, Dembele uh, for 12 months, and no secret again, we're looking for a midfielder. Please don't mention the word Lee Catamol. <laughs> um, and of course, we think, we don't want to jump the gun here, but we're almost certain that Darren Bent will be a full on player by next Monday because. As you guys probably know, he's had a medical today mm-hmm. at Fulham. Yeah, I'm sure there's a joke in the move like the Jagger somewhere. Uh, I'm surprised oh, Luke dear. didn't come out for actually. But uh, just, just <laughs> I think quick, Stan Collymore more coined that actually. <laughs> last season. No, no. Just uh, oh, well, I'm going to claim originality still. Um, Phil, just quickly, is is there a Sunderland player that stands out for you? Somebody who you're wary of? Uh, if you'd asked me that question 12 months ago, like all Sunderland fans, I thought Cessignon mm-hmm. was a real handful yeah. you know he had a great season there under Martin and then for some reason along with all the other problems that Martin seemed to I don't know if he generated them or you know, I'd really like to know from you guys how the kind of roof fell in there on, on O'Neill's time at Sunderland and of course Cessignon the goals dried up he seemed to have an attitude problem admittedly he did score against us uh, in the games last season, and I'm sure he's still got those qualities. Uh, Stephen Fletcher fit, by the way? He's not, no. He's not fit? No. Okay, well, you know, that was £12 million signing, I think, wasn't it, a year ago? Yeah, I think um, I think he, we got a good return for Fletcher last year. Got the goals oh, the earlier. first half of the you, season, you, I thought he was great. You, you talked about Cessignon, I think we mentioned the word enigma earlier on, and that that's a problem with Cessignon here, and... It's a $64 million question about what went wrong with Martin O'Neill. We haven't really got time to get into all that, I don't think. But uh, can I, before I let you go, can I get a prediction from you for Saturday? Well, I'll just finish off the last point by saying, on, I know we haven't seen anything of him yet in English football, but I think Josie Altidore, I'm going to be guarded here. I think he just could be this season's Benteke. Um, because he's American, <laughs> we keep a close eye on the... U.S. soccer team here and Fulham we've got a lot of um, U.S. based followers and I've been watching Altidore his progress since he was here at Hull he's really come on a bundle mm-hmm. and I'm sure you guys have already sourced his hat-trick yeah, in the friendly this week have. in Sarajevo one with the left one with the right poacher's goal first touch in the box brilliant play 23 years of age how much do you pay for him? Six, 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 six million, I think. I, I heard near eight, but whatever you've paid for him, I think he's worth it. Um, he links really well in the US team, by the way, with Dempsey, and I would love to have seen him at Fulham. And a lot of our US-based supporters would love to have seen him at Fulham too. If we got the new ownership deal done quicker, we might have moved for him. But you've got him. He could well be outstanding for Sunderland, and I think you will have a better season than last season. Di Canio, all his signings, it's in the lap of the gods how they knit together. But I still think your problems are at the back. Mm-hmm. I would probably agree with that. That's a nice, little, agree. nice to hear about Aladot. Give us all a little bit of a smile now, especially when you talk about now, now you want a the prediction ball. for the score. Yes, please. Uh, there are going to be two go- two scores at the weekend. It'll either be nil nil, and it'll be tame stuff in the sunshine with neither side particularly busting a gut, or Altidore will score. And it will be two 0 to Sunderland. I'll take that. I'll take the latter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, thanks for your time, Phil. Nice to speak to you. Have a great season, guys, yeah, and we look forward to seeing you when you come down to London. Okay. Cheers. Thanks a lot. You too. All the best. Bye.
still there who as I said earlier does the ESPN blogs from the for the Fulham fans um, I'd like to thank him for contributing to the show and we're gonna spend the last five ten minutes now just briefly talking about what we want from what we want to see from tomorrow really and what we want to see from the rest of the season regarding team selection lads I think is there anybody who who doesn't know the team because I've got a team in my head and I would say that Manoni and Westwood is the only decision I'm not sure about um, if we go with a new lad at right back and maybe one of the centre halves because John O'Shea is going to play Callback's going to be left back yeah Yeah. Cabral and Larson's going to be in the middle Johnson Jacarini's going to flank and we're going to have Altador and Sessegnon mm-hmm. up front yeah? yeah anybody see any centre half and goalkeepers the only anybody got any preferences who, who did you see uh, uh, is, is there something about Wes Brown? Wes Brown's out. So Roberge is more likely to come in, you'd imagine? Or? Yeah, I think so. That's yeah. who I'm leaning towards. Yeah. Dave Cutty hasn't played as much as he No, he's not been involved. But has, how much did Roberge actually play in uh, pre-season? Did he, he, played in, he played against, in, he, against he, the Dana. Yeah, yeah he, he, he also played against the Italian uh, sides in the, yeah. in the behind-closed-doors fixtures. Yeah. So yeah, the okay. years, but I, I against agree. the hotel staff, what will be <laughs> any potential yeah. for maybe uh, Quayer to come yeah. in at right back instead of the yeah. Czech boy because he's not been mm. here five minutes. Uh, yeah. the, the Czech boy tweeted earlier and said basically. I like how we well, forgot his name already. Saluska, Saluska, I've I've asked about ten times Yeah, he he said that Dicanio pretty much put him straight into trading at right back. It seems to suggest he's going straight in there. He's been bigging him up. He's you know he hasn't. He hasn't done the the generic thing where a manager might look at him and train and think, oh, he's not ready yet. Yeah. Um, Greg Halford with Roy Keane springs to mind mm. where you, you, he comes, has a look at him training and says, well, he's you know he'll come in in a few weeks. He'll play in the first team. I mean, Greg did actually start, but at first he was suggesting he might not because that that you tend to read that Martin O'Neill done it with Mangani and a couple of them players <laughs> yeah, yeah, where he was where he was like, <laughs> you know, he will play, he will play, he'll be ready, he'll be ready. Except where he just didn't. Yeah, with this this time he's like, no, he's good. You know, he he's he's, he's picking him up really. He's really Absolutely. positive about him. So that's going to be the interesting one. Who are we going for in goal, Luke? I'm I'd lean towards Westwood. I, I think everyone is everyone who kind of knows a lot about the kind of northeast football, like journalists that have tweeted, have, have all said that Westwood's one of these hidden gems. That could be something special, but he was just kept out last season by a, a much better goalkeeper. Uh, Minoni, I don't think anyone's entirely convinced by because of his a few dubious performances mm-hmm. for Arsenal where he makes a lot of mistakes. He's a decent shot stopper, but the question remains over whether he can keep his focus for a whole game or, a, or over a series of games. Um, Westwood played in the Denmark game, made an absolute storm of a save did, yeah. from the corner. and We've seen play Westwood play a few times the season before last and he acquitted himself pretty well so yeah. I, I'd hope and I'd leaning towards imagining yeah. Decanio will start with him over Minone yeah I mean um, I reiterate what I've what I, I done on the Roger Report bit about um, Westwood where I was one of the ones who stuck up for Minone when he signed and says you know at the end of the day people saying oh he's, he's, he's rubbish he shouldn't be anywhere near the top league they, they, he wouldn't have been at Arsenal still he would have filtered out of the top sometimes people get stage fright especially goalkeepers that said it's Westwood for me I think Craig Um, I, I, I don't know I'm, I'm actually not coin, too bothered yeah, I, I'm, I was completely unconvinced by Manone mm-hmm. but after watching him in pre-season mm. I know we've said that we read too much into it but he looked okay against Spurs he pulled off a couple of absolutely mm. brilliant mm. saves 
but Westwood's got probably more experience in terms of like maybe international level. Mm. Maybe that's worth looking at. Are we reading anything into the fact that there's no number one? No, I don't mm. think so either. But probably just superstitious and on them yeah. for whatever reason. Mm. Gareth, who are you going for? Uh, Westwood or Manoni? I'd go with Westwood, and um, also I'd, I'd I'd have a slight thought about putting in Quayler at centre half. Oh. What? Oh. <laughs> um, just just a with you know callbacks left back. I know he's played there a few times. He's not especially also if Manoni plays. I'd be tempted to put in Quaylar with O'Shea. Just, just to ta- just they've played together more. Just not your main. Just trying to try. I'm not, and, uh, I'm not el- saying eliminate he's a some player. The... Just okay. Saluska's only been there a week. Yeah. Okay. So if you've got Saluska, Rabej never played in the yeah. Premier League. A left central midfielder, a left back, mm-hmm. and a goalkeeper who's been second, third, second or third choice at Arsenal as your All back right. five. Help settle your back four. Just then. to settle Help down. things in. Yeah. yeah. I get where you're coming from. As yeah. soon as, as soon as Brown's fit. Whoever's if it yeah. or Quayle I'll be out anyway. I think. I think Brown's gonna Brown and O'Shea is his so, preferred yeah. pairing. Mm-hmm. For I think Brown being fit, I don't think get the impression maybe he didn't really plan for Brown to be available and now he is, it's like, well that's pretty is good. Is anyone concerned with Brown and O'Shea as a pairing considering how high up he wants us to I play? Man City caught us out a few times in that friendly. It, it would be it would be fine in a game like the Fulham game who don't have a lot of pace mm-hmm. there and who you know they don't put a lot of effort in up up that area end of the pitch. Mm-hmm. If you're playing someone like Man City or, or as we saw last season, West Brom, even when they kind of took us to bits, uh, you'd you'd rather have someone with pace in there. So you know, if Diakite is fit, that's the kind of game you'd like to see him play. Um, but O'Shea and Brown can do a job in certain games. It all depends whether you of the opinion that you should always have a settled back four, constantly the same like consistently there throughout the season or if you mix it up from game to game according to the needs well I mean I know he's what 33 Brown but he was never a slouch like no. he was never s- no, s- no. sort of slow well he played full back for a lot of years he didn't did he? yeah but at the same time you know age and injuries catching yeah. up with him he may have lost a yard of pace and as a mm. centre back that's quite a significant amount of pace probably mm-hmm. I, w- I would say O'Shea's more exposed to pace than Brown oh, like, yeah, oh, definitely yeah. O'Shea's yeah. the one who seems to get done for pace um, yeah. well, but you know, they, they've got, takes half an hour to turn around. So well, O'Shea was good, really good last season in a in a poor side, and you know the Brown and O'Shea, good players. Like to, ha- I mean, they're, they're good centre halves, and you know, I mean, Diakite is an interesting one because everyone when we signed him, it was almost what well, it's O'Shea and Diakite, but mm. he's been injured. Um, I mean, Roberge didn't get, let's say, like he didn't re- he didn't feature really at all in the Asia Trophy. No. Um, the Akita strikes me as the one most likely to do a kind of Mangania, yeah. the kind of player who might just always be out, and yeah. we think, oh well, he'll come along soon, and he never does. Never does. Yeah. Well, we certainly have options. So be- before before we get predictions of everybody, um, I asked the Canyon earlier again for Sun FM what he thought a realistic kind of season would be for Sunderland. This is what he said. And a realistic season for someone would be, what do you think? But I hope uh, uh, that uh, we don't finish uh, uh, 20th at the bottom, or maybe 19th. Second from the bottom. Uh, we are not happy if second from the bottom. <laughs> no, it's obvious that uh, to maintain the league in a comfortable, comfortable way, to compare with last year, uh, we don't have to suffer. We don't have to wait uh, two games to go Arsenal Wigan. But we have to decide our destiny with our quality. 
in the way we are going to behave at home and away in the way we are going to play so can be five can be seven can be eight i don't know i can tell you but give more satisfaction give more quality to the games more attractive football and effective football the consequence will be better result the consequence will be that uh, we maintain the league earlier than last year and if it's possible because uh, nobody mentioned but it's obvious because it comes second in terms of you know uh, chronological go forward in the cups as much as we can if we could all have you know i'm sure if i asked you all that before um we listen to that bit of footage uh, bit of audio there you know every fan every year says we just want a season where we finish well above from relegation and to do well in one of the cups so he's always been on the same wavelength for the, as the fans Paolo hasn't he absolutely yeah <laughs> nobody's going to disagree with what he's just said there I mean, everybody does say that though you know everyone cups, talks about winning cups, cups and that, really know. well because we, we you know yeah, Steve Bruce would play a really yeah. weak team in the cups I can't remember him ever coming out and saying yeah. I want to do well in one of the cups yeah well I don't know <laughs> well, I don't, I, I don't you. know. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't. You know, I mean, over the years, I guess. No, in fairness, you you are right in the in the sense that's that I've always played always. well. At this time, <laughs> you're right um, yeah. about the the fact we've always seen to play weekend teams in the cup. But we had a good cup run under Martin O'Neill before, and then the beginning of the end began mm. when that run in the cup ended. Mm. Really. So. Well, as always, we'll go out with predictions from everybody. Because um, time's beating us again. Can I tell you what, one one more thing before we go. Can we just do a little thing? Yeah. Out of the players that we've signed, mm-hmm. who's who's the one you think you you think's gonna be the man? Well, I thought it was gonna be Jack Avini, but I don't know. I'm starting to think maybe out the door, especially mm. after the hat trick, and from what uh, Phil was saying as well about him, like from American perspective, he does sound like. Mm-hmm quite some player like yeah. more even than I thought Craig's probably just answered it exactly how I would have answered it yeah. there so I'll see if he did bother Luke mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with, with that as well I yeah. think Altidore uh, the only other one I guess is Cabral who mm. looks who looked very good in pre-season so those, those, that, those three look like mm-hmm. the, the, the main ones to, to stand door, out out of those for me as well I think it's his movement is really good it's, he's a good centre forward like and that, that first goal in his hat trick just tremendous goal that is. There's yeah, just, like it's, that's finish. a brilliant goal. That, that for, like people talk about the free kick. He does free kicks though. That's, uh, but apparently, that's apparently never takes. That's what we're saying. Yeah. But that that one touch hit with a left foot. You, how, you how don't get time. In, and lashing yeah, out, yeah. Lashing <laughs> in the wall. But you don't get time. You don't get time in the box to. to no. And he, he's shown. He did a little, a little bit as well. You know, turns and twists. He win loads of free kicks around the box. I think as well, which is dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think he's he's win, wins lots of headers. I think he's going to be a, a real asset, and I think they've picked up a very good player by the look of it. Hopefully, we shall see. Um, give us a prediction while you're talking, then, Gareth. Um, while in your soapbox. Three-one to Sunderland. Yeah. And um, out the door hat trick. Why not? We might as well. <laughs> we might as well <laughs> cannonball it. Yeah, back to back. Well, you know that's, that's what that's how we do it. Craig. Um, I think there'll be goals as well. I think it'll be three or four-two to Sunderland. Look. Two-one. Late Fulham consolation. I'm going to go two 0 I'll be honest. I, I just think it's going. It's going to go scripted in my head that Fulham aren't going to really pause much, and probably everybody's going to get carried away with it. But there you go. Well, you know, everybody we expect us to go to Europe and the like. But you know, we 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 need a win, in my opinion. I'll be, you know, I Absolutely. think it's it's a big big game. This. Um, 
for Sunderland. So, oh, but, don't but build up too much. I can't help <laughs> I mean, it. It's a massive game. Yeah, if we don't win this, we're going down. True to form of a Sunderland yeah, fan. Negative start as well. No, so read the... What do you call it there? And he's oh, straight away. Haven't we? We haven't strengthened enough in the right areas. Negative. Or <laughs> <laughs> realistic, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been a Wise Men's Day podcast. Oh, wait, wait a minute. We need to do something else. Sorry. Buy tickets for the live podcast. It's a week today. It's t- today is a Thursday, so it's on the twenty second at the Isis. You can go to We Got Tickets forward slash Wise Men's Day, and uh, if you if you do that then you can buy tickets and then come and then get involved and there's going to be all sorts of people it's going to be a who's who there's a lot of people of Sunderland yeah. people a lot of writers and a lot of journalists going yeah. to be turning up yet great sorry it's fine thanks for listening over <laughs> and out <laughs>